Would you pray with me this morning? Father God, thank you so much, as we just sang about, that you chose to send your son, Jesus, to this earth. That was your way of redeeming mankind. And God, it's during this Christmas season, it's during this December season that we celebrate what you did. And we also want to express great gratitude for what you did by sending your own son to this earth to ultimately die for the sins of humanity. And Father God, I pray that you would help us this Christmas season to keep our eyes and our minds focused on that. May we be pulled away from all the busyness, all the commercialized approach that we see in our world and in our society to Christmas. And may we remember why you did what you did. Because you loved each one of us enough that you gave up your son to die. And God, we remember that when we celebrate Christmas, when we think about the baby in the manger, we also think about the cross because that's what you were doing. And God, I pray uh, that you would be with us right now as we look at your angels and how they gave the message to the parents of two uh, very important people, one who would come to announce the Savior and the other who would come to save the world. And God, I pray that you would help each one of us who are here today. When we hear from you, God, whether it's in a still small voice or whether it's some miraculous way, may we be people who work through our fear to a place of faith, trusting you all the more because you desire a personal relationship with us. May your Holy Spirit lead us and guide us now to a place of understanding and wisdom of your word. May you pierce our hearts. May you change our lives. May you convict where we need conviction, and may you encourage us where we need to be encouraged. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Amen. Well, good morning. Merry Christmas, everyone. I, I, I feel so, like, okay saying that once we get, like, past, like, the 8th of December. I don't know why, but, like, it just feels better, doesn't it? Saying Merry Christmas. You know, December 1, you're kind of awkward, like, Merry Christmas. Uh, but, you know, after that, it gets a little bit better. So, Merry Christmas. Glad you're here this morning. Uh, for those of you I don't know, my name's Todd. I'm the lead pastor here, and really glad that you have chosen to join with us and be with us. And if you have your Bibles, you can turn to the book of Luke. We're going to be in Luke chapter 1 today, and we are going to be continuing in our series uh, that we started just a few weeks ago called Angels Among Us. And you know, it's interesting, uh, the, the angels play such an important part of the Christmas story, but uh, we've been working through this over these past couple weeks uh, for, for us, myself and you, to realize is that what the angels are doing, what they did, what they are at work at, is not something that is just the Christmas story. There is a war that goes on, there is what exists in, in the unseen is, is real, and the Bible says that it's real, and it is very much something that has an impact on our world. And so there is this separation between what is unseen and what is seen, and what happens in the unseen world does have an impact on the seen world. And if you're here today and uh, you believe the Bible to be true, you have to believe that there is that like difference between the seen and the unseen world, and that there is, in fact, an impact. In fact, angels affect our lives uh, probably on a regular basis. In most cases, in most scenarios, we probably don't even know that it happens. And so over the course of these past few weeks, 
Um, I've challenged you and encouraged you to develop an awareness that there, there exists an unseen world that does have an impact on the seen world. I've, I've challenged you and encouraged you to look for times where you've been uh, protected or guarded by an, an angel or angels and also guided by angels because those are two of the things that they do for us. Now today we're turning the corner a little bit and we're going to be focusing over the next two weeks on the voice of God's angels. Because part of their role is to have a voice in what God is doing throughout all of humanity in the redemption of mankind. And so we see in the Christmas story um, two areas where the angels have a voice. First and foremost, they have a voice with the message of what God is doing. And we're going to see that today. And then they have a voice, and we'll see this next week, with announcing the coming of Jesus. With announcing that redemption has come to this earth. And so we're going to see that uh, next week. And to, to do that today, to look at that message that they brought, um, we're going to be in Luke chapter 1. And the message that they bring uh, today, we're going to see, is a predictive message, a message of prophecy, if you will. It's a predictive message. Now, we hear predictive messages all the time in our society. We hear people make predictions about what might happen in the future. And when we hear, like, man make predictions, in most cases, uh, we're wrong. And the reason that I know this all too well, that, like, predictions are, are wrong, is because I am a Georgia Bulldogs fan. And every year, they're predicted to be in the top 10 by the end of the season, and they start in the top five usually, and they're never there by the end of the season. So I know that he, my, my Alabama friend over here is laughing at me. That's okay. Thanks, bud. Uh, so anyway, um, I understand like, that like, we get it wrong with predictions, but we have gotten it wrong as hu humanity with predictions for most of humanity. And I want to give you a, a couple um, examples of that. Check this out. In 1903... Uh, the president of the Mission Savings, uh, Michigan Savings Bank was advising Henry Ford. You all know who Henry Ford is. He invented, what did he invent? He, or, what was he, the, uh, yeah, the, Ford, the car. He was the one who uh, had the Ford Motor Company. I have a Ford. Many of you have a Ford. So he was advising Henry Ford's lawyer, Horace Rackham, not to invest in the Ford Motor Company in 1903. And, and here's what he said to this lawyer. He said, the horse is here to stay. <laughs> But the automobile is only a novelty. It's only a fad. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? Wow, he got that wrong. Okay, in 1946, Daryl Zanuck, who was with 20th Century Fox, an entertainment company, said television won't be able to hold on to any market it captures after the first six months. Isn't that great? And then he went on to say, people will soon get tired of staring at a plywood box every night. Isn't that interesting? How many of you remember the plywood boxes? I do. Okay. Anyway, if you're under the age of 25, just forget about anything I just said about looking at a box in relation to TV. Just don't even go there, okay? All right. And then in 2007, Steve Ballmer, who was uh, the CEO of Microsoft, said there's no chance that the iPhone is going to get any significant market share. Wow. Man, he got that one wrong, didn't he? We see in predictions that begins with our human thought that we get it wrong every time. But we're obsessed with predictions. 
the betting industry in sports, especially here in the United States, has risen at, at an incredible level over these past few years. And worldwide, uh, it already was at a huge level. Uh, uh, we bet on everything. We look at people who are so-called experts to give us a picture of what the future might be. And in most cases, we as humans, and we might get it right a few times, but in most cases, we're wrong. I, our most recent election is a great example of how most experts got it wrong. Am I right? And, and they got that wrong. And so we see that from a humanity's standpoint that we get it wrong. But if you carefully look at the prophecy, which is a type of prediction, if you look at the prophets from the Old Testament and the prophecies that are given in the New Testament, every single prophecy that was supposed to already happen from God's word was a hundred percent accurate. One hundred percent accurate. Imagine if humanity got a picture of the future 100% right. We can't even conceive of that. We can't even think of that. And part of the role of the angels in God uh, bringing redemption to humanity was to make a, a message, or excuse me, to bring a message, this predictive message, a, a prophetic message about what was going to happen. And we're going to see today from Luke 1 that the angel Gabriel brings a message to the parents of John, who, the baby that was going to be John the Baptist and Jesus. And he brings this predictive message to the parents to begin to set the stage for what he was going to do all throughout humanity in the redemption of mankind through his son Jesus. And so we're going to take a look at that today. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn there. If you don't, the words will be on the screen. Now, um, I also want to say that like, if, as we look at Luke, Luke was an author who was a doctor. And, and as doctors go, as their minds go, and as their educations go, if you're a doctor in here, um, you, you're probably a lot like this. Um, you, you are very thorough and very detailed. And so when we look at Luke's writings, um, we see a detailed account of Jesus' life, and then we see a detailed account of, of the book of, of Acts, uh, the Acts of the Apostles, the first church. And so we see a lot of very uh, careful detail that, that Luke puts in to his writing, both in his gospel and in Acts. And so um, we see the detail of Jesus' life, and already right out of the gates in Luke chapter 1, we see that kind of detail that's given to the story of the angels visiting uh, the parents of John the Baptist and of Jesus, who were cousins. And so we, we see that here, and we see that all throughout. And so, you know, if you're a doctor here, we can't read your writing, but thank you for being detailed, okay? All right, we're very thankful for that. All right, let's take a look at Luke chapter, uh, chapter 1, verse 11. Check this out. Now, we're talking about Zechariah here. Zechariah was one of the priests. He was a Jewish priest, and he was of the, tr the priestly tribe. And so Zechariah was in the temple doing some of his priestly duties. Now, Zechariah would have been one of those who would have been, that could have spoken the word of God. He would have been the, like the carrier of the word of God, but he also would have been the, a prophet of, of sorts, and he would have gone into the temple and done the priestly duties of the temple. So he was a man of God who was anointed by God to, to do God's work. And so we see Zechariah here. And here we go, pick up with verse 11. And then there appeared to Zechariah, him, an angel of the Lord, standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him. And, say that next word with me, fear fell upon him. Fear fell upon him. Verse 13. But the angel said to him, 
Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard. And your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. Now, just to let you in on the, like the rest of the story, as Paul Harvey used to say, John became John the Baptist. And John the Baptist, his role was to pave the way and to announce what Jesus, his cousin, was going to come to do. And that is to save the world. And so that was his role. And we even see that here as, as the angel further gives instructions. Check this out, verse 14. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great before the Lord. And he must not drink, uh, drink wine or strong drink. And he will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the, ch to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready for the Lord a people who are prepared or people prepared. And Zechariah said to the angel, how shall I know this? For I am an old man and my wife is advanced in years. You remember in our last series, we studied Abraham, Abraham and Sarah and how God uh, gave them a child in their advanced years. And we see that thing happening once again here in Zechariah and Elizabeth. Okay, so the angel, angel answered him. He said this, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. And he says this in verse 20, And behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place, because you did not fully believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. And the people outside the temple here were waiting for Zechariah, and they were wondering at his delay in the temple. Why is he taking so long in the temple? What's going on in there? And when he came out, he was unable to speak to them, and they realized that he had seen a vision in the temple, and he kept making signs to them and remained mute. And when his time of service was ended, he went to his home. After these days, uh, his wife Elizabeth conceived, and for five months she kept herself hidden, saying, Thus the Lord has done for me in the days when he looked upon me to take away my approach among people. Now, here we have this angel coming to Zechariah, this man of God. And, and, and Zechariah, in seeing this angel, is filled with fear. And I think you and I probably would have the same reaction. We'd be filled with fear. But the message that he brings to Zechariah causes Zechariah, I'm sure, to be filled with more fear. Because what he was saying couldn't naturally happen. It wasn't supposed to work this way, just like with Abraham and Sarah. And so Zechariah was filled with fear because of the presence of the angel Gabriel and because of the message that this angel was bringing. And as a result, the angel said, you will be mute for the whole nine months of your wife's pregnancy. <laughs> Ladies, that would be pretty nice, wouldn't it? <laughs> and guys, like, you know, I got a 
to trouble a few times during Cynthia's pregnancies, right? Like I said some stupid things. It would have been nice to have my mouth made shut, okay, during that time. So anyway, I wasn't very, you know, kind and nice all the time. And so Zachariah, we see him having his mouth closed and he couldn't speak. This was a man who used his words in part for his job and what he did and his role in God's kingdom. And God made him silent. He wanted his faith to develop. He wanted his faith to grow. And so he made him silent. And so we see here Zechariah, this, this man of God who is fearful because all of a sudden this angel is in front of him and telling this great story about he, how he would be the father of John the Baptist. And it just floored him. Absolutely floored him. By the way, this is one of three names given in all of Scripture. Angels are talked about a lot and they're given stories, but there's only three names that... Three named angels. There's Michael. Talked a little bit about him last week. There's Gabriel. And then, of course, there's Lucifer uh, who fell. And so we see here that there's a great fear. Okay, so um, verse 12 says, Zachariah was troubled and fear fell upon him. Now, let's take a look at Mary here. Verse 26, just kind of continuing in Luke chapter uh, 1. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth. To a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly, say that next word with me, troubled. She was greatly troubled at the saying, and she tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. Look, if you were um, like going about your business and all of a sudden an angel of God came to you, and said that you like are, are anointed or blessed. I don't care what that message is. I mean, that was a good message. You, you have the favor of God. That message and the way it was delivered would, would cause you to be troubled too. I know it would for me. It would, it would, it would like shock us a little bit, and it shocked Mary. And so the angel um, said this in verse 30. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found faith favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and you will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and he will be called the son of the most high and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and his kingdom will be, of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, how will this be? For I'm a virgin. I'm a virgin. And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth, she's in her old age. She's also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her who is called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. Now I want to stop there for a moment because verse 37 is something that's often misquoted and sometimes misattributed, but I love I love how Luke puts this and how the angel said it. He says, "Nothing say the next word with me will be nothing will be impossible with God." And the reason I love that so much is here's this young woman, many experts believe that she might have been 15 at the time. I mean, this must have been incredibly terrifying for her. And so there she is, this young woman who's a virgin who's kept herself pure, and she's, she is uh, uh, all of a sudden visited by an angel. 
And the angel says that you're going to give birth to the Son of God. There would have been tremendous fear and trembling in all of our lives if we had heard a message like that. And I love how the angel says, nothing will be impossible with God. Because there's so much hope for the future in that, isn't there? It's not nothing is impossible with God. It's not nothing in the past was possible with God. He says nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Now we see in both of these visits by the angels of God in them bringing this predictive prophetic message to both Mary and to, um, uh, and to Zachariah. We see in this instance that both of them initially are afraid. And I think you and I would be as well. And I don't know about you, but I've um, been in many situations where God began to speak into my life and I was afraid as well. Because often when God speaks, whether it's through an angel or his word or someone in your life who's a godly person that you know or a group of people, when he begins to speak truth into your life, into my life, whether it's about your calling or perhaps about a sin that you're involved with that he's trying to pull you out of or whether it's a, a situation that you know you shouldn't be involved with or maybe a situation that you know that you're supposed to be involved with and you've ignored it, when God begins to speak into your life, there is a bit of fear and trembling. I remember when I was like about 15 or 16 years old and God, I was saved when I was in first grade and accepted Jesus as my savior then, but it didn't really matter much to me when I, until I was about you guys' age up front here, some of our students, and all of a sudden, God began to do a work in me. And I remember being in a church service just like this and at a camp just like you guys have been to at Awanatal. In fact, it was at Awanatal. And I remember as the pastor spoke and as the, the music played and we sang, I remember my heart started beating a little bit faster. And I began to have sweat a little bit on my brow, more than normal. And I began to be fearful because God was calling me to something. And I didn't want to do it. I didn't want to say yes. I didn't want to let go of that one piece of my life that I thought this is my part that I can hang on to. And God was calling me out, telling me to let go of even that part. And here's my point today. It may not be an angel, or it may not be a known angel, or it may not be a situation that's so incredibly unique. I mean, this was a unique situation, let's face it, in this message that this angel Gabriel was delivering to Mary and to Zechariah. But in your life, it may be a still, small voice that gives you great fear. And that may be God just saying, hey, I, I want to be closer to you. I want you to become more like me. I, I want a little bit more of you because I want what's best for you. And there may be a tremendous fear surrounding that right now in your life. And I understand that. I get that. And God does too. And that is a natural human emotion. But when God begins to speak in our life, we begin with fear. It's very natural. If, 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 the, mother, if the woman that God chose to be the mother of, of God's son, the son of God, and, and, and the one that he chose to be the father and mother with Elizabeth, of the one who would pave the way and announce Jesus coming into this world through, through John the Baptist, um, if they had fear, it's okay for us to be afraid. 
But God's desire is that you and I move beyond our fear. And then our faith is strengthened. And we see that in the life of Mary, definitely in verse 38 there. As she says, behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed, departed from her. And so we see Mary's fear and her doubt begin to change. And we definitely see this um, in, what, in what happens next to Mary. Check out verse 39. In those days, Mary arose and she went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. All of a sudden, Mary's presence, she comes in, and all of a sudden, that little baby that's in her womb leaped. And she was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she exclaimed in a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. And so we see in this instance when Mary comes in and, and Elizabeth, that baby, baby John the Baptist, leaps in, in, in her womb, all of a sudden for Mary... That gave her a sense that what God was doing was true and it was real. And what the angel, the message the angel came to deliver to her was true. And all of a sudden we see her faith grow. Check out verse 46. And Mary begins to sing. She begins to proclaim, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me. And holy is his name. And so we see her get to a place where uh, fear begins to be replaced by this deep faith in what God was doing. And she rejoices. And we see it also in Zechariah's life. Check this out. All the way down in verse 57. Now the time came for Elizabeth to give birth and she bore a son. And her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown great mercy to her, and they rejoiced with her. And on the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child, and they would have called him Zachariah after his father. That was in the tradition that you would name the son, the name of the father, the firstborn son, the name of the father. But his mother answered, no, he shall be called John. Remember when Gabriel came uh, to, uh, um, uh, to Zachariah? He said, his name will be John. Elizabeth gets on board with what the angel told him, what God told him. She says, no, his name won't be Zechariah. His name is going to be John. And they said to her, none of your relatives is called by this name. And he says, and they made, uh, uh, and immediately, excuse me, uh, and they asked for a writing tablet, excuse me, verse 62, and they made signs to his father inquiring what he wanted him to be called. And he asked for a writing tablet and wrote the words, his name is John. And they all wondered. But guess what? But look what happens in verse 64. And immediately his mouth was open and his tongue loosed and he spoke blessings and he spoke blessing God. And fear came upon all the neighbors. <laughs> I'm sure they did. I'm sure they were fearful. 
Fear came upon all the neighbors, and all these things were talked about all through the hill country of Judea, and all who heard about them laid up their hearts, saying, what then will this child be? For the hand of the Lord is with him. You see, there was a group of people there in Judea who understood that God was doing something unique, and that he had used his angels in the life of Zechariah and in the life of Mary to begin the message of what God was doing. And that message continues today, and he can use his angels to deliver a message to you and to me. He can use his word to deliver a message to you and me. And the key for us is to respond in kind. Because we see in all these instances that we've looked at, in every instance where an angel brings a message, we see that eventually that person gets to the point where they do what God has told them to do. Can you imagine for a moment, imagine with me for a moment, if Mary had said, no, I'm not going to do this. If Zachariah had, had just like completely rejected. See, at some point in time, they do the will of God. Yes, they're fearful. Yes, they're scared. Yes, they're frightened. But eventually they allow that to be replaced with a deeper faith in what God is doing. And I would suggest that there may be some of you who are here today who are Christians, you're Christ followers, and perhaps you're mature, strong Christians. You've been a Christ follower for a long time, but perhaps there's that one thing that you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that God has called you to or he's called you away from, and you are gripped with fear because you know obedience in that thing is going to require something of you. And it's scary. And I understand that. More, more importantly, God understands that. He understands that. He gets it. Joseph had a similar experience. Real quick, as, as we wrap up, Matthew uh, chapter 1 says this in verse 20. Uh, Joseph, he, he considered these things. Behold, uh, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife. For that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She'll bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Back in the Old Testament, he says, Behold, the virgins shall conceive and bear a son, and they will call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. And we're going to focus on that on Christmas Eve. Please be here for Christmas Eve. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did, he did, as the angel of the Lord commanded him, he took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. And so Joseph provides dignity for the one who's carrying the Son of God by taking Mary in a situation that was fraught with scandal from afar, am I right? Especially in that day and age. And he took her, and he called her, his wife. And so we see in every instance that there's an an act of obedience, that when God calls us to something, for us to be able to replace that fear with faith, it requires us to make one step out. And I wonder what your one step is today. I wonder what your one step is today. Part of what God called me to when I was the age of some of these guys down here in the front row was to ministry to be full-time in ministry. 
And I was about 16 when that happened. And I remember being terrified of that. Terrified. Number one, my dad had listed a few things that he wanted me to do in life. And among them were a doctor and a lawyer and, believe it or not, a politician. Okay, so that was my dad's view of things. My dad's changed a lot over the years. But I was fearful because it wasn't on the list. Pastor, missionary wasn't on the list. I was fearful because I thought maybe he was going to call me to be a missionary to, you know, Africa in the middle of nowhere or, you know, the jungle over in Asia somewhere. And I kind of liked my life. I don't want to give that up. And I ran for 10 years. I ignored and ignored and ignored and ignored that calling. And God just kept after me until I answered that call. And I give you that encouragement today because there may be something that you're facing, and it may not be God calling you to be a missionary or a pastor or whatever, or perhaps it is. But maybe he's calling you to face the reality of where a certain relationship is in your life. Or maybe he's calling you, businessman or woman, to do something dif- different in your business, to be a different leader in your industry, to operate with better ethics, more godly morals. Maybe students, he's calling you to say something to a friend that you know is in a desperate situation. Maybe he's calling you to be in full-time ministry, I don't know. But I bet that there's more than just one or two who are here today, who you're right there, you're so close, and fear's gripped you. My prayer for you today is that you would move beyond that fear, just like Mary did, just like Zachariah did, and that you would embrace finding full faith in what God is doing. Maybe you're here today, and you got dragged here. You don't even know why you're here. And you, if you really thought about it this Christmas, you've never really put your faith in Jesus to be your Savior, and that's what God was doing in the whole story. And Christmas, the story of Christmas is really not just about the manger. It's really about the manger and the cross. It's about God coming to this earth as a man and saving the world from our sins. And the Bible says the way that we do that is we confess with our mouths and believe in our heart that he rose from the dead. And if you're here today and you've never done that, maybe that's the thing that is gripping you with fear is just making that decision. Because you don't want to face what your family might think of that. Or maybe your past doesn't really like connect with like God's way and you're afraid that you'll look like a hypocrite. Guess what? Join the club. We're all in the same club, all right? Maybe you're afraid of what your friends or your family might think if you say yes to Jesus and that's the thing that's been keeping you from that. Today's your day to exchange fear for a deeper faith in what God was doing. The message of the angels is universal for all of humanity, and anyone who uh, hears that can accept. But you know what? It's also personal for you. And he wants to have a personal relationship with you. He wants to guide you. He wants to direct you. He wants to protect you. He wants your best. Our job is to find out what he wants and do it. Father God, thank you so much for your word Thank you, God, that the angels weren't just, um, they weren't just bringing a message 
to parents. They were bringing a message that was, a, that was going to affect the rest of the course of all of humanity. Because your gift in the form of a baby, they're lying in a manger, was not just a gift for a certain group of people. It was a gift for anyone, anyone, anyone who believes in their heart that you rose from the dead. And anyone who will confess with their mouth that you're Lord. And so right now, just in the quietness of this room while Gino plays, if your um, act of faith this morning, your act of obedience, your act of doing what God has called you to do um, is accepting Jesus as your personal Savior. If you're in the boat today where you're not 100% sure that if you died today, if you left this room and something tragic were to happen and you died, you're not 100% certain that you would go to heaven when you died. That is the whole point of God sending Jesus to this earth. And his desire is for you to overcome that fear with faith in him. And the Bible says it's real simple. You just believe and confess. And so today I'm going to pray a prayer out loud. And if you've never put your faith in Jesus for salvation, if you don't know 100% that if you died that you would go to heaven, I'm telling you that the good news, the gospel, is, is that God sent Jesus to die to take our sins on the cross so that we wouldn't have to deal with that. And he rose again three days later and he's in heaven with God today demonstrating the power over death so that you can be in heaven one day with God when you die. So if you're here today and you've never put your faith in Jesus, I want to invite you to do that right now. It's, I'm going to pray a prayer out loud. I want to invite you, if you've never done this, to, to pray it silently just to God. It's not really in the meaning of the words. It's, the, in the, it's really the intent of your heart that matters. It's a prayer that goes something like this, God. Thank you so much for sending Jesus to this earth to die for me. And today, right now, I admit that I'm, I'm a sinner and I have faults and failures. And right now, I accept you Jesus to be my Savior. If you prayed that prayer or something like it right now, just that simple little prayer, if you prayed that along with me, um, just in the quietness of this room with every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand for a moment. So I want to pray for you. I won't embarrass you, I promise. If you prayed that prayer this morning, would you just raise your hand, please, so I can pray for you? Anyone else this morning? Anyone else? Thank you for those who raised their hand this morning. Maybe for a few who didn't, God, I just thank you so much. In fact, your word says, while we're talking about angels, that the angels rejoice if one comes into the kingdom. And that's what they've done this morning. And I thank you so much for that changed life. If you're here today and you've got a, a thing in your life that you know that you um, have been gripped by fear with that thing, but you know that God's calling you to do it, and, and you, just need, you just need a little help. You need for God to help you through that situation. If you would just open your eyes and look up at me, I want to pray for you as well, if you're willing to admit that. Awesome, awesome, all over the room. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you for your honesty. Father God, I pray for those 
who are admitting right now there's something in their life that they're gripped by fear and they know that you're calling them to something different, something new. You're calling them out of something old. God, I pray that you would lead them and guide them to a place where they have the confidence to be able to just follow you and that 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 faith would replace the fear that they have right now. I pray in the strong name of Jesus that you would give them peace. God, we are so thankful for you leading us and guiding us. We're thankful for the angels that delivered this great message. And God, we know that there's a tremendous amount of hope that we have for the future because what you are doing by sending your son to die for us, and we give you glory and we give you praise for that right now. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.